Gaming NBS episode 152, getting back into the hobby, dropping August 8th, 2017. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back to the show, folks. Glad to have you on board. Oh, man. So, Brett... <laughs> just before just before Sean his record, um, we started talking about something about, like, don't surprise your kids or don't shock your kids. And I said, well, that's why my kids grew up knowing there is no Santa Claus. And Sean just starts talking for a little bit. <laughs> so Sean starts talking for a little bit, then he stops, record scratch. Wait, what did you just say? <laughs> the look of shock and dismay. So, Brett... All yes. your kids grew up knowing there was no such thing as Santa Claus. Correct. We should have put a disclaimer on here. If you have kids in the car right now, <laughs> yes. you probably want spoilers, kids. All they have to do is say, it's just BS, it's Brett. What the fuck does he know? That's true. That's very, that. very good point. Like These guys don't know what they're talking about. Exactly. That's what you have to do. You can cover uh, for it. So how do you even raise kids to not, to know that there is no such thing as Santa Claus. So what's Christmas like when they're two years old? They get really cool presents and they say, thanks, Mom and Dad. Thank you so much. They don't say thank you to a fat, invisible nobody that you know that takes the credit for my hard work. That's what So happens. you never took them to the mall to sit on some stranger's lap? And no. <laughs> uh, no. No, I didn't Santa do that. Claus? No. That's no, a, I didn't do that. That was a bad... I phrased that the wrong way. <laughs> See, in my house, breaking and entering is a, is is not a good idea. So, my kids know that if some crazy fat guy tries to break in at like two in the morning, you go get dad, and he takes care of things. So, it's just you know, it's not a good idea. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say at this point, ladies and gentlemen. I I'm on the verge of just shit canning this whole podcast <laughs> just because of that. Like, I don't even know this guy. It just goes to show you, you really don't know somebody. You really don't. Really don't. Like, man, this guy, you know, you could kind of take his his <laughs> guns and his hunting and his machismo and his Harley Davidson and his 20-some tattoos, his Taekwondo killer, like, punch. Yeah, but but he doesn't raise his kids to believe in Santa. What kind of an animal is he? I, nice. I, I think we've drawn the line, ladies and gentlemen. I I want to humbly apologize <laughs> to all our listeners out there that, despite all of our you know liberal views or conservative views, how we may or may not raise our children, uh, present company excluded, of course, because I have no kids. But I, I mean, I don't need. I don't even know. Like, you don't know what to do with that. I'll I tell think, you what. Like Brett, like Brett is like killing babies and like D and mean, even some of us kind of blow that off, right? We don't ex. Some of us ex card it. Some of us don't. So no, I'm, gonna, just thinking, I'm gonna get ex carded because we're of my getting lack to the root of, of it all. My now we're getting to the root of it all. All right, oh my god. Uh, <clears throat> I still like Emma. I, I still, I still like Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It's one of my favorite Christmas shows. What is it? Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It's a Jim Henson thing. Oh. Yeah. I'm down with Jim Jim Henson. There you go. 
All right, Sean, let's put this Holy behind shit. us if we can I, I, and move don't on. Even, I, I'm so shaken at the core right now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. So announcement-wise, event registration for Gamehole Con opens September 2nd. I th- I'm doing my best to um, find out if my son, uh, who's going who's going Air Force, if he's really going to have his graduation that weekend, that Friday or not. I'm hoping that it doesn't work out that way and it can go, but uh, I'm 50-50 if I can actually make it because I may be down in Texas. So we'll see what happens. Um, Sean, anything new on Game Hall? Any new games or anything new that we've got going in the hopper? So we're up to 30, last time I checked, which was this past weekend, 30 games total. And Chad Knight, uh, thank you for supplying a couple games. I think he put in a, a board game. I don't, re- I can't remember what he put in there, but um, thanks for doing that. Uh, Eli Kurtz, somebody, oh, Jim Fitzpatrick uh, submitted one as well. And so... Man, uh, VIGs registered this past weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a bit of a hiccup. So what happened uh, was explained on Facebook. Essentially what had occurred, in a nutshell, in full transparency, and they vied to not ever let it happen again, was that they had to provision two more servers to their website so that it wouldn't crash and would have enough bandwidth and CPU power to make sure that you would have a good experience and in doing that and provisioning those, they did not set the correct time zone for those two servers. So the code that allowed you to put your stuff in your wish list really got discombobulated to the point where it was like, oh, your wish list is old, purge it. And so when you went to add it and then register or something to that effect, I may not be getting the details exactly correct, but, you know, I don't know. Uh I still got to say, game hole, and they're on top of it. They know the problem. And part of VIG, which is nice, is you limit the badges and you're kind of guinea pigs, like, because you're set to register ahead of everybody. So when everybody else registers, I'm sure it's going to be a smooth process. Well, if it if something bad had to happen with registration, I hate to say it, but I'd rather have it happen with a smaller number of people. I mean, with the VIGs that pay the big bucks. Yeah, that, that, that's the that's the part that sucks, right? As well, the smaller number of people are the people that paid extra to get in early. So, uh, well, you know, um, what is this? Year five, right? Year six, is five, year, six. Year five. Year Fifth, five. Gamehole Con five. Still has their shit together better than a number of other cons that you mm. and I know of. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, shit, man, you can't even get into Gen Con this year. No, you can't. They sold Holy out. <laughs> shit. I mean, that's not due to any technical difficulties. No, 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 but just, I mean, they're, um, when you get to be a large convention, there's a snafu, there's a problem. And the the nice thing is that Alex and the guys and Josh and everybody else there, they jumped on it and are, you know, did what they can, can to fix it. So that's just, that's awesome. I, it sucks, though. I mean, it, it it blows, and I'm sure that, the, you know, if Alex and the boys do what they always do, like, wow, that didn't work well. Let's not have that problem again, and they won't. They never I, they never have the same problem twice, I'll tell you that. I could, I could tell you this firsthand. When shit like that happens with Alex Kammer, who we've had on the show like four or five times, that dude goes, like, in the, his brain, It's he's going crazy because he doesn't want that stuff to happen. I, I know it eats him alive um so 
you know, rather than some cons where you might zip off an email and like, hey, man, uh, you know, this is happening. Uh, it doesn't fall into a black hole with that guy because he no. he will stay up. I mean, he zips emails off to the developer, uh, Royce, who we know, and, and like, hey, man, you need to fix this shit. I, I, my words, not his, of course. Um, but, you know, he gets Royce to get on it and Royce fixes it. I mean, we had they're, a search issue and it fixed, he fixed they're it. They're a team. I mean, they're a team and, they've, and they're super passionate about making it work. So, <sighs> sucks it happened, but hopefully all else will be well. Yeah. The only guy I saw say anything was like Roger Brasslett. And so I don't know if anybody else was affected and how, how, how it was, how they were. But I think he said he got VC said something. I think VC Young said something on Twitter about it too. Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah, anyway, but it looks like um, from what Roger posted up, I think he at least got some good games. So, so Friday night, I want to confirm. I haven't. I don't have a start time. I don't know where. It'll probably be the Clarion lobby. Um, my understanding. So we were like, "Hey, beer exchange," and somebody's like, "Yay!" and free keg, uh, free beer on Saturday. The Ed Greenwood Group is picking up the beer for Friday night. Well, they they knew what a successful rousing you know group we were, so they well, said, "Hey, we got to get in on well, that they action." Were like, holy shit, who's that? I'm sure when Alex told us, like, "Hey, we have other people that are interested in the Saturday night Saturday night pick up the keg free beer thing," we were like, "Now we may think it may it might have been Ed Greenwood." <laughs> yeah, which is kind of kind of funny. We're, we're like, "Yeah, we're gonna say, hey, we're thinking it's some knucklehead." Yeah, yeah, fuck you, dude. What? Oh, great! It's Ed Greenwood group wants to muscle in on our wow. action. We, we don't know that for sure, but we but can say that he is. That's the uh, that's the pretend story we're making up. I'll tell you that. That's the rumor we're spreading. Is that Ed <laughs> wants Saturday? We said no, Ed. We got Saturday. You can take Friday or Thursday or Sunday or whatever you want to do, but lay off our Saturday. But Friday Friday night we're gonna have a beer exchange. Uh, hours to be determined. Probably a little bit later because I know folks are running games up until like the 10 o'clock hour and even beyond that. I know some of you might not be able to make it because you're going to be in games. That's okay. Don't, you know. And the beer exchange, I don't think there's any formal rules. Uh, Folks at GaryCon had done it, like Hobbs from uh, Hobbs and Friends of the OSR um, were partaking in that. Partooken? Partooken? Partaken? They were involved in. Thank you, English literature major. Um, (laughs) So we're going to do that Friday, maybe around 9, 10 o'clock. Uh, bring a six-pack or a couple different ones. Uh, I will probably bring um, Old Milwaukee. It's vintage beer. Um, bottles. So in case you've never – oh, of course, bottles. Yeah. Nice. Um, but they, you, you just put all the beer on a table, and then everybody can just kind of pick and choose what they want to try. So obviously it's very crafty beer-oriented, but, you know, whatever. No cost. No, no cost. Works. It's not going to be in the events. Uh, it's just for fun. Just for fun. Like, you know, drinking alcohol <laughs> at a con and getting, you know, hey, drink and moderate. For- drink responsibly. responsibly. Correct. Absolutely. Must be 21 or over to partake. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, and we are not, we're not sponsoring it. We're just telling you it's going to happen. Correct. I don't want any goddamn lawsuits because we don't want to get sued. No, not at all. So if you're a lawyer listening to this. <laughs> there, we told you we didn't mean it right up front. <laughs> <laughs> That's a disclaimer. 
All right. So the other announcement is I got a, Chris Nizak and I and the rest of the team that were working with the uh, Avalon Kickstarter. We're looking at probably September, October uh, this year yet to to get the Kickstarter going. Um, don't have the full details as to when exactly and so on, but we've hammered out a number of the components. And right now, Chris, Mr. Schneezak, and the Encoded crew is going through basically the pricing. We want to make sure that we keep it at a reasonable level and do good stuff. So I think we uh, think it'll be good. Brett, I got to take the time out, man. And I'm going to give you freaking props. Like, Brett... I saw this online. I think it was, was it Emily or no, no. I think it was, um, Kev Thulu. Yeah. Kevin Lovecraft, uh, friend of the show, friend, friend of ours personally. Uh, he's game to mine. So I take a little bite at this, but he said that playing in the, in the streets of Avalon game that Brett ran was the best role playing group game experience he's ever had. And now Kev's, you know, he's not 20 years old, so he's been doing this a little while. That's saying quite a lot. Any games with Brett pretty frequently. So not only kudos to Brett, but kudos to Chris and Emily. Who else is on Tom there? Tom Flanagan. Tom Flanagan. Yep. I mean, so props to those guys for, for that. And then, you know, Emily, I think, concurred, or I don't know if she concurred, but I think she, she weighed in as well. But no, I, it, was, it, it was really good. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. It worked out really, really well. Yeah. So you have, if you have not checked out the Streets of Avalon actual play, it just wrapped up, correct, Brett? For correct. At least this. Yep. <clears throat> this storyline. Um. What was it? Fifteen total episodes. Uh. Fifteenth one just dropped, and that was the uh, finale for that one. And um. Yeah. It was. It was a lot of fun. It was pretty. It was pretty emotional in spots, at least for the players and I. It was kind of cool. So I liked it. It was a lot of fun. And they they were they were great to work with. It was emotionally positive. punch him in emotionally punch him in the face. Exactly. You don't have to hit him physically, Brett. Brett no. just hits him with the with the feels. Exactly. Go right for the go right for the gut. Emotional yeah. guts, that is. Emotional quandary. Yeah. All right. All right. Let, let's go on. Oh yeah, let's get into uh random, random encounter. Yeah, the thing we do all the time for 150 episodes, so thing that comes after all our babble. Uh, you want to start? You want me to start? What do you want to do, Brett? What I'll start. <clears throat> I'll start and let you uh, chew on the fact that I don't believe in Santa. Um, feedback on last episode 151, when we went back to NPCs. On Google+, Michael Parker says, oh boy, I could talk about NPCs all day. And uh, we've got a link in there <laughs> to a uh, uh, the Closet Gamer to his uh, episode 1 podcast they put together. Um, yeah, so I just want to interject. Yeah. If you cannot put in in an email, like a, a, a sh- an email addressing something or a Facebook post, Google Plus, or a tweet, start your own blog. And just like, you know, pages upon pages about rants about our topic. Because <laughs> if it doesn't fit into any of those platforms, so there you go. Do it. Absolutely. And then we'll pimp it. Oh, we totally <laughs> will. And then we'll tell people to go look at your stuff because it's better than ours. <laughs> oh, this is good stuff, honestly, though. Uh, Michael says, uh, but I'll try to keep this one short. He said, I think NPCs are one of the most important things the GM needs to bring to the table when running a game. Not only do they disseminate information as you discussed, but they bring the world to life. The bullet point method for NPCs is a good one. NPCs, excuse me, is a good one, but I like to expand on it. For each NPC, I like to have two to three bullets for personality, motivations, and relationships. For example, Eric the Navigator. 
He's gruff, a bit of an ass, but he has an undying loyalty to people he trusts. He's seeking fame by discovering new lands. His ship and his crew are his world. Beyond that, I come to each session with prioritized list of information <coughs> excuse me, that I want to convey to the players through NPC interactions. These items are at the top, uh, at the top are required for the story. The ones lower on the list may be just interesting tidbits. This can be anywhere from 3 to 10 bullets, depending on how much I've prepped and how focused I want the session to be. For example, uh, one, there's a lost continent somewhere in the northern ocean where an ancient race of lizard people are said to have lived, most important. Lord Armstrong of Windmere is said to have chartered, chartered a vessel to explore the northern sea. And three, uh, Agatha Charles, the, court, uh, the courtesan... Agatha, excuse me, Agatha Charles, the courtesan famous for betting every man in Monger's Alley, has fallen ill with some unknown disease, the least important. Any NPC could theoretically dis disseminate any piece of the info on that list, and I just gauge the session as we play to determine which piece I give, when, and by who. Sometimes, of course, the specific NPC will be the only person with a particular piece of data, but I try to avoid that when possible to assure nothing gets lost to the player's uh, blow, uh, blow, decide to blow by someone I deemed as important. All right, really excellent episode as always, fellas. Thank you. Very good. I like that. I, I didn't. Um, I think expanding on the bullet point piece, right, is you know personalities, motivations, relationships, and then having like, hey, here's some data, and even if you don't tie it to a specific person, just saying, hey, here's some key clues. If you think of it from like a gumshoey perspective. Um, but just knowing that, the, that these are bits of the world that you want to bring out. And, you know, maybe Eric the Navigator isn't the one to tell you about the Northern Ocean. Maybe you go to somebody else and that person then drags you over to Eric because he's the one who's who's the right person to get you there. So that's good stuff. Thanks, man. Over to you, sir. Jim Fitzpatrick comments. Hey, guys. Great episode. Very thought-provoking. Three pieces of feedback on this one. One, there are tons of good game aids for NP. NPC design. I love Monty Cook Games NPC deck personally. Um, number two, also over at Monty Cook Games, Charles Ryan wrote an amazing article about NPC slash monster design that you can do in a short time. We'll have a link in the show notes so you can check that out. Number three, one thing I think you didn't focus on enough is developing motivations for NPCs. Indeed. Uh, I ran an NPC cleric in my 5e campaign last night, and her motivation was advance the Church of Timora. I made it up on the spur of the moment, but I used that one phrase as the filter for everything she did. Sure, we can remove the curse. Uh, how about a uh, donation? Need a blessing for your travels? Well, the collection basket is pretty empty. I ended up weaving it into the whole interaction, and my uh, players commented on how it felt a lot more three-dimensional than other NPCs. Couple that with a fun physical-slash-social tick, and you're golden. I think Phil Vecchione talks about this in Never Unprepared, but I could be thinking of something else. Motivations are really useful. So I, I can't even disagree with Jim. Of course, that's good stuff. And if you're not familiar with Never Unprepared, check out Engine Publishing, um, and you can get it over there. Uh, shit. One more. Some good discussion in the episode about rolling a 30 on a social check and the NPC ends up telling you everything he knows. Blades in the Dark does this really well with the effect levels. Sometimes you're only going to get a little effect even on your best performance. Can't make someone do something counter to their core values most of the time. 
In the same way, you can't break through a fortress wall with a toothpick, even if you roll a 46 to hit. You can't manipulate people like that. Done for real now. That's good. Yes. I like. I got. I have not finished my Blades in the Dark book, so I've got to get. I've got to read through that and get to those bits. Um, I do love the. I mean, between Jim and uh, Michael, there, I think they're pretty much hitting on a very similar thing. That concept of motivation. What is it? What's my motivation? Right. In even that simple statement of their job is to, you know, earn enough money so that she can get married, earn enough money so that he can buy the blacksmith shop from his dad. And that just having that be the filter that everything goes through. Yeah. It's kind of a one sided motivation, but they're NPCs, man. Um, it's a piece of the whole, of the whole puzzle. So I like that. I do like that. It beats very, very good. It beats writing an entire page. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or, or uh, I should say one column of a page uh, outlining their relationship with everybody under the sun and what they're doing in the environment that they are and what, why they're rationalizing. Yes. Whatever they're doing. Like, you know, you're right. One statement. You're, I think he, oh, man, I like that. I like that, Jim. Definitely. I'll I tell like you what, a lot. this is, I'm, just... I'm going to throw this out there and we'll probably have to come back to it as an actual topic, but I really believe that this bullet point approach, and I don't have a better term for it, is like the gateway drug to being able to improv Game Master. Being able to utilize a simple one-sentence statement, advance the Church of Timora. Being able to have that, and then the rest of the, of the NPC kind of writes itself. Having those bits and pieces um, really help to beef up your improv skills, in my opinion. So I think that's that's all good all around. Well, and to add on that, I know we're going on this a little bit, but to add upon that, you could always say, okay, that's their motivation. But in your DM mind, GM mind, you may have something where they they're they don't they're not they don't have to advance it, or they have kind of a ulterior motive that you may just come up on the spot depending on the situation. So you get the players interact with the player character and non-player character. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm not going to push that on this one because this is something else. Yeah. You can, you want to expand it. You give them two, you give them the, uh, upfront motivation and the subsumed, the hidden possibly um, alternative motivation where they're like, oh, yeah, I'm totally trying to advance the church of Tamora because I can't stand the fucking high priest and I'm sick of her shit and I want to be in here. Oh, that's why she wants to get in there. Oh, I get it. She can't stand the other person, right? Oh, in the process, I'm clearly advancing the church of Tamora, and the reason I'm going to do all this is to get her out because she's terrible. I know the church of Tamora better than she does. Hey, I'm taking it one one yeah. step further, it's just another why. Another why. Yep. And why? again, like I say, these bullet points in this conversation, it's key to, in my opinion, advancing and picking up some of your uh, improv skills, being able to take that stuff, run with it. That's all good. I think it also depends on, so if the NPC is just like a one scene monkey, right? One yeah. and done, like maybe you don't need all that. But there's always going to be that NPC that you don't think is a big deal, and then your players latch on to, like, nobody's business. 
Oh, I sure I, do love that. Sh- the, 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 the cook who sings the sea, sea shanties. He's amazing. He's we should go cool. see him again. Like, oh, Christ, another sea shanty. Yeah, that's what so then you got to take their motivation and then you probably, you know, expand upon it. <sighs> cool. All right. Where are we at? Oh, Will Thorpe. Will Thorpe came back at us about mass combat. Another game that had mass combat that seemed like it might be good was Exalted 2nd Edition. This is the White Wolf Onyx Path um, version of Exalted. Uh, Will goes on to say, individual PCs could join units and boost them or act as their own units. One of the factors I found notable was that units had a size rating and a morale rating. If the unit's size and morale got too low, they could end up fleeing. I haven't had a chance to see if the 3rd edition of Exalted kept this mass combat system. Will. You know, Will, I did not... Exalted turned, I don't know, something about the art, and I, I'm not, it had very an anime kind of feel to it, and for some reason that just turned me off for the Exalted setup. And I think um, I think that was probably my excuse for the fact that I was kind of done with White Wolf products at that stage in my gaming career. I had played Vampire and, and Werewolf and Mage and Changeling and Wraith and, and blah, 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 blah for so very long. Um, I'm like, oh, a new game by White Wolves. What's next? What else is out there? I was kind of burned out. So chances are Exalted was probably a damn fine game. I just never got into it. So, But this piece you're saying here will around... Um, for mass combat, that might bear looking into, which is, again, one of the reasons to collect game systems sometimes, even if you only get them in PDF, just to zip through it and parse out the chunks that you can cannibalize for something else. Not to be mistaken for zip-zap through it. No, that's totally different. That's rolling your own. That's, that's making right. your own system. Right. And All right. Smoke and then smoking it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Next one's yours. All right. Henchmen of the Goblins, a.k.a. AKA Goblins Henchmen, emails us to cover some recent episodes. So he's playing a little bit of catch-up. Hi, BS bosses. I'm just catching up with the past half dozen or do, or do shows. Two sh- half dozen or so shows, because S and D are right next to each other. And wanted to chime in briefly on a few things. Episode 150, Mega Dungeons. The first time I laid eyes on a Mega Dungeon was back in 1985. Oh, 1985. Ah, yes. I remember it well. It was a fine year. Fine year. Who was in, who was in office? <laughs> I vaguely remember 1985. Carry on. <laughs> a friend of mine returned from school holidays with one of those dot matrix printer reels. I did mention it was 1985, in which he had drawn a dungeon. Uh, my wonder and amazement drifted into terror and dread after the first 10 feet. Kid you not, he'd drawn out at least 60 feet of near-linear dungeon before I tapped out and had to leave. The thought of that dungeon lurking out there somewhere, hopefully in a landfill, keeps me from enjoying the idea of a mega dungeon. <laughs> it's like this dark mega dungeon somewhere lurking, waiting to pounce upon the goblin's henchman. The poor man, one day he'll sit down like, all right, I'll give it another shot. He'll go in, fight the orc guard in the chest, battle the Atiug, go on to the go-, go on to the next orc, and then open the door and go, son of a bitch, it's back! It'll just, it'll be terrible. Sorry. <laughs> Episode 147, Mass Combat. The Hive Mind actually pl- Actual Play podcast of White Plume Mountain contains a lot of mass combat. The episode's before entering the mountain. I'm not endorsing how it's done, just saying it's out there if you want to listen to how they did it. Episode 149, you discussed how often you get to RPG and what is the optimum optimum amount is. Uh, what is the optimum amount? Uh, at the moment, 
I'm gaming once, twice, three times a day. Oh, what? What? You hey, lucky son of a... Oh. Now I don't feel bad about you. Now I don't feel so bad about that Mega Dungeon problem he's got. Yeah. What the hell? Like, if you're doing it three times a day, a Mega Dungeon can stare right in the eye and just laugh at it. Exactly. Well, I'm in a play-by-email game. Thanks for Forrest to Gary getting me involved. He says Forrest A. I can only imagine it's Forrest to Gary. Gotta be. Gotta be. Gotta be. There's no other Forrest A. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, fits into my life very neatly, my life being currently unsettled. If you get a chance, try it. It can be quite narratively based, chomping down your monster munch, a corn-based UK snack, and sipping your top-deck shandy, low, which is an low-alcohol drink sold to children in the 80s, and saying, I hit it, does quite work in this format. So GH is taking it back old school is what he's saying. Holy cow. I got to get, get, get a hold of some monster munch. <laughs> Absolutely. That just sounds, that just sounds awesome. That sounds pretty tasty. All the best. Thanks for the prize in the encounter contest. Yep. All the best. Yeah, he got his uh, book of the Trask. Very cool. Yeah, very nice. Thanks, uh, Goblin's Henchman. All right, I think that wraps up Random Encounter. It does. Let's main topic this sucker up. All right, Brett. Okay. So, Evan got a hold of us on Twitter and says, quote, Got back in RPGs in January. Still haven't gamed yet. Online might be the answer. Options? Tips? Well, you know, Sean and I started talking about it, and our first answer was, Get a bunch of guys at the table, game. We thought, you know, kind of cheeky. <laughs> we thought, kind of cheeky. Maybe, uh, maybe try to bang through some, some uh, different thoughts on this before we just kind of slam that idea out there. So, yes, and please. Last episode, we kind of poked fun, you know, and said, "Hey, just you know, like Shalabouf says, just do it." But nonetheless, um, we're going to try to address maybe some concerns that folks may have of getting either back into the hobby or have never, you know, stepped into it. And they're, they're, they're RPG curious. Yes. They're they're not, they're not by curious. No, they're just RPG curious, but they could be by curious. We're not going to discriminate. That's, that's cool. No, we're not, which is cool. Everybody should be curious. So I just, I just want to throw this to you. Now you, like the fool you are, fled the RPG hobby for a short time, and you came crawling back like the dog you are. Um, woof, woof. How did you? How did you get back into it? You've well, told the story I, once, but I want to revisit. All right, so fair enough. There, we okay. Years had gone by. I don't even know how many. Ten, fifteen. Um, I'd have to look back. We were at an event where a buddy of mine was going back into the military. And he had been out for a little while, a few years. He was going back in, and we all got together. And I had known these guys 20 years, maybe 15 years at this at this point. We game together growing up. And one of the guys 
who he's kind of the, I wouldn't say an outsider, but he was very hard to keep in contact with. Like you'd email him, you call him, you, you know, you just kind of fell off the face of the earth. And every once in a while you just go by his house and say hello and everything would just be fine. So he was there and he said, Hey, we should start gaming again. And the feedback from a majority of us, which was like three other guys, four other. Well, so there was uh, one, this person, Randy, and then, three of us, and then my buddy who's going back into the military. So the three of us were like, ah, it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, we haven't gamed, and since we were kids, we all are adulting jobs, responsibility. Not that kids don't have responsibility, but, um, you know, supporting families, kids, blah, 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 right? Jobs. And he he made a pitch and said, you know, even the, even the game, like we, we couldn't even remember the rules if we were to sit down at a table. <laughs> and he said, no, no, things have changed. You should, we should really try to do this. He's like, I've been running, and he's been running D&D at this point, 3.0 for his nephew. So my buddy Randy, I think might have been 30-ish at the time. His nephew was like 19, and his friends were 19-ish, 1920. And so he was running them through some of those um D&D 3.0 games. And so he explained D20 system to us. He's like, oh, you know, there's no Thaco. There's no, you know, ascending, whatever, descending armor class. You know, you you have a target number, and if you roll over the target number, you succeed. And just it's more intuitive, makes more sense, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, well, I don't know. So we said, okay, sure. And that's where it started. And then it just blew up from there. See, What's kind of cool there is, I mean, I think that's lucky on your part is what I want to say. Is I don't know, and maybe and maybe listeners will tell us. Um, well, I'm sure they will because their listeners are sharp folks. And if, if we're... So this, I should I should say this was circa 2002, maybe. Okay. What I'm getting at is that it, it was pretty lucky of you that you happened to not happen to, but you got well actually happened to you know a group of guys that you used to game with got together and somebody brings it up and says something. And honestly, that's, that is sometimes how it happens. I vaguely recall Alex Kammer talking about a similar thing, excuse me, with the game hole guys when they got together as friends and just talked about how they all used to game. And then finally somebody goes, well, God damn it. Why aren't we gaming? Um, Alex can correct me on that at at another time. I'll I'll pick his brain for the real story, but um, there is, there's something to that. And I think a piece of this uh, in Evan, I, I, just just as a, a thought to give to you and to anybody else just kind of in the, I, I haven't done it, but I want to, you got somebody in that group took the bull by the horns and said, I want to do this and I'm going to make it happen. We've talked about that before with like scheduling the game. And a lot of times as the GM, I've talked about how I'll take the initiative and build a, build a Google community for my, for my crew and say, Hey, it's after DCC is done. I've already started building the community for the Warhammer fantasy role-playing first edition game that's going to come after this. I've got that going. I Every month, I'm like, hey, when are we going? I get the schedule pull up, say, who can make it what days? Somebody has to grab the bull by the horns. And I'm very fortunate that my gaming crew, if I don't do it, someone like Kev or Alpha will reach out and say, hey, have we picked a date yet? Because these are the ones that I see available. So somebody has to do it, especially that first step. And if that's you, Evan, or whom, or whoever listener is thinking, boy, I really need to do this, it, I, I, not everybody is willing to 
or able to do that, right? Some people are, are hesitant, don't necessarily want to go out and grab that bull by the horns or whatever. But I honestly think that that helps a lot, especially if you're talking about an in-person group to say, hey, I really want to do this. I'll put the work in. You can come to my house. I'll have the snacks. I'll have the books. I'll make the pre-gen characters. Sometimes doing all that work up front will get people who are like, yeah, sure, this might be fun. Yeah, we used to do that. Now, though, um, so I think we can kind of push that to the side for a bit and get into well, the rest. Of, oh, what? You got more? Go ahead. So, so I, I want to say, mm-hmm. so when we started playing, we – he kind of invited us into the group. Like he didn't. We had a group. Like, he brought you into it. He brought us into his nephew's group. And then we, like he had, I mean, so in one weekend he went from four players to seven or eight. Big group. And Very it big. went okay. Yeah. It went okay. But then, you know, the 19 year old guys had, oh God, his name was Anselmo. That was his character. He is a paladin. And we were just, we left the group and we were 30 at the time, I think at least. And so different, all I can say is different play styles. Yeah. Little difference, not. So some 19 year olds, very mature, uh, match anybody that's 30, 40, 50 years old. Not a big deal. Some you're always going to get one. That's like, I'm going to pee in the fountain. Or they make a dick joke or yeah. something ridiculous. And it's like, okay. And so we had that. We were invited, blah, blah, blah. Now, another thing I wanted to bring up too, Brett, is there had been another point in time where I hadn't gamed, God, I think it was close to a year. And I don't know if I ever brought this story up. We had been, I ran Living Force for quite a couple of years. We rotated GMs. I ended up getting my character killed and basically said, you know, I'm done with this campaign. I'm going to take my ball and I'm going to go home. And they continued to game. So after a year, I kind of just took myself out of the hobby, not out of the hobby, but just I wasn't gaming consistently at all, period. Uh, Maybe a weekend or two every couple months. And then I'm like, oh, I got the itch. I got to get back into it. So what do I do? Went back to my old group, and they were like, kind of, you know, hey, uh, everything's just fine without you. Um, you know, you can kind of show up if you want, but the the welcome mat was not, in my opinion, rolled out. And that's okay, because there was a couple things that went on, like, hey, I run this, and I'd flake, and hey, I run this, and I'd flake. So the story, to sum it up. Don't be a flake. Don't be a flake. Be consistent if you can. Uh, and then... So what I did was like, wow, what am I going to do? So I went to the local game store and posted a, hey, Pathfinder Society, going to be run here every week at this time on this night. Show up if you're interested. And the first night, I think I had four players. Second night, I had five players. One, two, two of them I had never met before. One was a buddy of mine. Who was the guy who went in the who went back in the military, who got out and he was like, I want to play. I got that night available, and he would show up. And then my buddy Doc would show up. And now I knew Doc, but I didn't, you know, I hadn't hung around with him a ton. He's got some mutual friends of ours. And so it was Doc and Joe were the only two that I really kind of knew. And then there was two others, Brian and um 
uh, oh my God, I know his last name, but um, anyways, there's another guy that showed up. Why cool. am I not, I might, am I blanking? And so the, so what happened is I started running Pathfinder Society. And then two or three sessions in, Doc said, hey, are we, are you guys wanting to only play in the game store? And we, he's like, because maybe we could take it to somebody's house. I would be volunteer. I would volunteer my place, right? And we're like, oh, okay, sure. So, because they were the only ones that would show up consistently, we're like, sure, we can take it to a home group now. And it was Bob. Bob was the other guy. Sorry, Bob. Bob doesn't listen anyway. And if you do, Bob, I apologize. So then Bob was like, hey, I'll run. I'll do my home campaign. I'll give you the rules. We'll play this. We'll play Pathfinder, blah, blah, blah. So the moral of the story is, and now I play at Docs at least once or every other week. And I don't, I haven't run a game for those guys consistently for a long time. Yeah, because someone else is running. Because we we rotate and everybody's like, hey, what do you think? We're going to wrap up. Yeah, I'm kind of done with this storyline. Somebody else can take over. And then somebody steps up and says, okay, I want to run this. Is anybody open to this or that? And we're like, sure. And then they do that. So the point is, is that you may start out going, oh, I don't want a GM. And then you get into a group and realize that somebody else is willing to take up that task. And then you can like, hey, I'm going to ride the coattails and just be a player, show up, play, and be fine. So what you may think initially is like, oh, I don't want to do this because I don't want a game master all the time. But that could change. Yeah, absolutely and, could. And so I, I'm sorry I had to go on that story because I don't think a lot of people are aware of that kind of dynamic and how you start out with the intention of this and then all of a sudden it's like that. And yeah. we've been playing since, I mean, we've been playing a long time together. Yep. I ended up being the game master for my game group because I was going to demo the uh, Vampire World of Darkness game for the game store owner because I got to be friends with him because one of the owners, there were, there were three guys that owned the store. I knew one of them was a martial arts teacher of mine. And up Tro- there in Warsaw? Up there in Warsaw. And uh, well, I got to be confused. That's Wisconsin, not Poland. Correct. Oh, kind of. Um, anyway. <laughs> True. Yeah. He's talking to the Polish guy. Exactly. There's, there's plenty of Polish <laughs> people up there, namely me and everybody else. Anyway, um, where am I going? Oh, anyway, I, I ended up running. I was supposed to be just a one-shot for these guys just to demo the game because Chris was seeing it fly off the shelves. He's like, what, what's this about? I People are asking me questions about it, and I don't know anything. So I'll run a game like a dumbass, and then I end up playing with half these guys for almost 30 years now. So it just it just goes and goes and goes. And they're the, the how do would we used to call them like the the the, the gods of gaming or something <laughs> the like that gods of gaming that's what I've heard yeah. yeah but I think hmm so to talk I mean to Evan's question though I think what you what you brought up is a good place to kind of start is saying you know do you want a game master or do you want to be a player now yes there are games that blur the lines don't have those things and so on but let's just talk kind of a traditional approach of game master and players. If you do want to be a player first, um, and you don't want a game master, or if you're like more like Sean, like, well, I'd like, I don't mind game master. I'll, I'd be willing to do that again to Brett's earlier point to do the heavy lifting, to say, hey, I'll start the group, <clears throat> run a game, and if it goes well, say, hey, you know, I'd like to play too. Is anybody willing to give this a shot? 
and that's totally possible. However, if you really are dead set on being a player and don't want to be a game master, I think you owe it. And I guess where I'm going from here, Sean, is just that to be honest with yourself. You don't say, well, I guess I could twist my arm with game master. If you fucking hate game mastering and you only want to play, don't tell people that, yeah, you're a game master because, dun, 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 you could end up game mastering for life <laughs> for that group and you may have to a leave the group. I mean, it, it happens. A lot of game masters game master for a very long time. Yeah, because they they'll, they'll even write in like I know never really have a chance to play, and so they may even go to a con just so they can play. Yeah, I, I've met a lot of people at conventions like, oh, this is the only time I actually get to play. Right, and uh, until I actually played with Sean in a couple one shots with my group, playing with Sean was like the f- most intense regular. At Brett as a player that I had in a very very long time it just doesn't happen that often um, so I think be honest with yourself up front and if you do want a game master um, group size and personalities and when I was getting it with Sean be kind of lucky it is cool if you're able to and I don't know Evan's situation right so if Evan's in a position where we're like oh yeah there's these these two guys and this girl and this other girl we used to all game with the we could all get together and game again if you have a great group of people that you already used to play with, you can kind of go and say, hey, you remember that thing we used to do when we were kids? We were all like that. Let's do that some more. Great. Um, but otherwise, you're going to have to try to find people, and we can talk, we're can talk. we going to talk about that in a bit here. But my, my advice would be, if you're going to Game Master and you haven't done it for a while, is start small. And when I say small, you can have two or three total players. If you're a Game Master, having three players across the screen from you is totally fine. You don't have to have a Brett size group where you've got eight guys, six men, and women sitting across the table, nine people sitting across it. You don't have to do that. Don't think that way. You can easily start with two players. You can game one-on-one if you want. I've got friends of mine that'll, that'll do that when they, they'll run personal campaigns like that. One game master, one player, but you can have two or three players is a totally fine sweet spot. A lot of people like a three to four player game. So think small and by thinking small, that helps you stack the deck, in my opinion, of pulling in people that you know and or trust from a personality perspective. You may not have ex-gamers that you can bring into the fold, but you may have those friends you've made either through, you know, you go to the PTA, you find out, oh, your kids are like my kids. You guys start talking. You all like Lord of the Rings. Hey, I used to play D&D. I always wondered about that. Hey, maybe, yeah, we could try that sometime. You know, however it is you're, you're picking people in person. And even online, but you can kind of stack the deck by knowing that's a small group of people you're looking for. Um, and then there's fewer person personality issues uh, to have to deal with. You can kind of sort through and stack it, which I think would be helpful for a first-time game master, especially coming off of a long off season like that. Sean, you don't, and and you don't have to go into it thinking that these are the folks that you're going to play with. Forever. That's a very good point, and you made that point with your story, right? Some of those people you were playing Pathfinder Society with, you don't game with them now, right? Well, Bob isn't even part of the group, so that, that's what I'm saying. Is the I mean, yes, you can start gaming with a group. I am incredibly fortunate, and I'll, I'll say I've been gaming with the same group of people for 20 plus years. The core of them is the same, but I've had a number of people come and go over time. I am the most <laughs> I am the single person who's been there the entire time because I'm the guy that runs most of the games. Um 
But over the years, we've had people move. We've had people um, change jobs, all sorts of craziness where they just can't make it. They fall off the planet. Somebody, you know, gets divorced and then they don't want to talk to us anymore or whatever happens. So there's there's plenty of reasons why you – I think your point's valid, I guess. It's totally, Brett, long way around. <laughs> Sorry there, but you're absolutely right. If you get together with a group of three players and you say, wow – these three men and women, they're they're a lot of fun to game with, but oh, they, all they want to do is play Star Wars, and I'm kind of Star Wars out. I really wish I could try some of that, you know, Dungeon World. Well, you've built your confidence with this group. You've got yourself back into the hobby. You're checking out the Google Plus communities. However you're gaming, you're at the gaming stores and whatever. Building up your confidence with that first group um, says, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll find someone else then. You can keep playing Star Wars if you want with that crew. No reason you don't have to. Um, no reason you have to stop. But you can then, you built up some confidence to say, you know what, I'm going to go find another group that might want to play Dungeon World. You can totally do that. Roll 20 actually has like a classified, you know, GMs looking for players, players looking for GMs, or I don't even know if they have those sections. But people can post a a game and put it out there that says, hey, I'm looking for four players. And they list out a huge kind of, well, it doesn't have to be huge, but I mean, I came up, I have a Google, Google alerts thing, feed, whatever, my mm-hmm. Google, whatever. And one of them came up was like Eberron campaign. I don't know. Cause Google keeps track of everything I do. So it must know I like Eberron. And I clicked on it. It took me to roll 20 and a page that said, Hey, I'm looking for players, four players to, take part in a 5e Eberron game that is based on I think it's an adventure path but it's but they they're setting it in Eberron but the, my point is is that it it listed out all the rules all what kind of like the schedule the time the expectations you know whether it's high role playing or you know not so high role playing blah 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 so now something to be said with playing with strangers some people are more comfortable with that than others. Totally get it. But, you know, some of the greatest people I've met have been gamers. And you play one and you're like, eh, I just don't think this is going to work. It's not going to mesh. Play style. And you decide to leave. You know, it's okay. Especially with online folks because you may never see them, never talk to them. Yeah. Or you do yeah. and you like them. You just... It, they don't. You, we don't have to take things so personally. Like it's just more of a style and a preference thing. Yeah, I mean, I was playing with with you, Sean. I'm like, look, I can't. Uh, the every other, I just the weekend you wanted to play, the weeks you wanted to play, I couldn't make, and I'm like, I got to bail because. If- well, we did that because Brett didn't know Star Wars, and it was the only way to kick him out of the group. <laughs> nice. Like, fuck this guy, man. God, I hate this douche. But, I'm going to shoot a laser from like <laughs> five kilometers away. Can I hit him? Yeah, I did. I'm shooting the ship's gun. Why can't uh, I hit stuff with that? You're sometimes real... as a GM, you should just say fucking no. <laughs> only only, no. When, only when I'm playing. <laughs> Fuck that yes, but crap. <laughs> yes, and whatever. So when it comes to game mastering, um, online is great. And if you want to play... I have found a lot of people that want to get back into gaming. One of the reasons is is that we like, man, I, I used to like sitting around with my friends and gaming. Sometimes it was the social aspect of it, right? I like to get together with my friends and hang out and be gaming at the same time. If that is your thing more than I want to game 
I'm going to get hardcore gamer. I want to get into character. I never want to leave. I want to go up and down the levels, as Misdirected Mark would say, or whatever. But if you're like, look, I just want to hang out with some friends. Face-to-face is going to be more your style of game, in my opinion, than a lot of online gaming. A lot of times online gaming that I have that I have played or been involved in or even talked to people about, they want to get together and they want a game. They have a limited amount of time. So the other component with this is that online gaming is great because you can block two, three, four-hour times. Hey, we'll play every Wednesday. We'll do whatever. Your um, landscape is larger. There's more people. And there's plenty of... Honestly, if I were if I were you, Evan, or anybody else, I would uh, go through Google Plus communities long before I would check out Facebook groups. Check out Google Plus communities for gamers and look for people who may, may or may not want to play with you. Um, <clears throat> this goes for game mastering or even as a player. And also, do not be afraid to be totally honest and say, look, I haven't gamed in a long time and I want to run this game. Or I haven't gamed in a long time and I'm interested in this. Can someone help me? Gamers are awesome people. We will help. Or or you choose a system that isn't so overly rules-intensive that you don't have to know the rule book like the back of your hand. So a perfect example is, say you want to run, uh, and I'm just throwing this out here, Pathfinder versus um, Expert. Basic. Red box. A little bit different. Right? A little bit different. So red box, a lot of, you know, um, rulings, not rules. So when you run that game, very fluid, very, oh, okay, that sounds good. Um, okay, why don't you just roll me this and tell me what your result is? Okay, that sounds good. You do accomplish that, right? Versus knowing the rules of that game. So it may be something where you can just do some, uh, run a game that isn't so overly mm, crunchy knowledge knowledge intensive. <clears throat> yep, absolutely. The other I, thing, the other thing I was going to say is that if you are playing a game that you that old game you used to play, somebody out there is running it. I can yeah, only, now. Oh, yeah. there, I mean, oh, yeah. you you may find an old version of Mutants and Masterminds or old villains uh, and vigilantes. Yeah, I want to play something you know what I consider more archaic that was out there. Twilight two thousand. Twerps. Um, Twerps? What the hell is that? Yeah, it was a teeny little game that was uh, out back in the 80s. Um, Tunnels and Trolls. Yeah, even you know stuff like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. There Now, someone's going to listen, like, oh, god damn, I have an entire Twerps group, and we play the hell out of that, you fucker. Um, and somebody out there all plays Tunnels and Trolls all the time. That's fine. But your mainstream game. So, again, if you're saying, I used to play first edition AD&D. I really like that. I still have my books. I really don't want to buy any new books. Can I still run that? Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, yes you, you can. absolutely can. Lots of people still playing it. Yeah. So what I'm getting I'm at Gary is, Yeah. Go, go, go <laughs> to Gary Khan. Yeah. <laughs> Full of them. So don't be afraid that, oh, I don't have the latest. It's fine. The throwback and the nostalgia candle burns bright for many. And it, they're, fuck, those are fun-ass games. So, yeah, if you if you like that game, you can find someone who's playing it. So just to touch one more thing on the group size and so on, again, if you're looking at it where you really want to have that old feel like, hey, it's Sean and Brett and Wayne and Kev, we just got together and we played in person. It was so much fun, and that's just how we did it. And then Jim shows up. It's great. Okay. See if you can get some of those guys together. And when you talk scheduling, and we've talked scheduling on the show before, is pick a day. 
pick a Saturday, pick a Wednesday. And sometimes for me, um, I, I tend to run Saturdays when I can with my group because it's a weekend I can get up to my hometown and do it. But if you want to make an event of it, if you want to make this something people will really remember and want to come back to, sometimes saying, hey, you know what we'll do? Let's get together at noon at my place for lunch on Saturday. We'll order some pizza. It'll be just like the old days. And we'll just game. Yeah, fuck yeah. And then you do it. If you have a lot of fun, say, look, I'd like to keep going. Um, you guys want to do this regular? Do you want to, like, is once a month? Well, uh, you know, I'd like to do, well, maybe every other, you can start that negotiation process. So sometimes it's, it's not, it's, you got to bait, if you bait the hook appropriately with your friends, you can get people to show up and try things out and make it fun for them. So we're like, we're like 14 year olds that, that have, res, that understand scheduling and time and that don't have summer vacations. Yeah. That's like it. That's like, yeah, it is a lot like that. We all, I mean, you talk to most gamers like, oh, I had a lot of fun. I just don't have time. Well, you can make time for things you want. Um, but anyway, I don't, don't, do not, excuse me, if you really want to play. And if you're like, look, I don't want to get my friends together in person until I've figured out if I really want to. You know, you may think the game itself may sound like fun and you may play and go, God, I hate this. Oh, I'd like to try something different. God, this D&D thing was clunky. I've heard more about this dungeon world. Again, online is one of the best places to uh, to investigate new games that you may or may not have heard about. Either Sean and I talking about here, other podcasts and and websites and blah, blah, blah. You can find somebody who's running Dungeon World or Apocalypse World or something and give it a go. Paranoia for crying out loud. Somebody's running it. Um, and you can have an online game. And you can say, yeah, you know, I really would like to have an in-person game, too. You can figure that out and see which one you like better. And again, as Sean said, you don't have to game with these people forever. Just because you started gaming with them doesn't mean you can't say, look, guys, I got to bail. My schedule just went to hack. I really like gaming in person. This has been a lot of fun, but sorry, Sean, I can't game online. I'm not going to game online anymore. I've got another group. That's fine. If you're honest and open with people, they'll be they'll be like, hey, more power to you, brother. Carry on. Enjoy yourself. Sounds like you and the girls will have a great game. Go play. Some will get butt hurt. Somebody will be upset, but whatever. But you know, it's too fucking bad. Sorry. Eh. <laughs> Honestly. So, you know, the other the other thing I would say is that if you're if you want to play or be a game even well, especially if you want to be a game master, um, and you're looking for a new game system, you're gonna have some work to do. Um, reading the rules checking them out, and so on. And sometimes getting a new game system like that, um, gaming online is awesome because you can find people who know how to do it. If you're like, hey, I want to bring new friends who've never played before into my table, oh, and I'm learning this game system at the same time, you can have an incredibly shitty event for them and for you because you're going to feel self-conscious, I'm trying, and oh my god, Bill's not having a good time, and Sarah thinks this is stupid, and this is the 15th time Tara's got up to go get a drink. Um, ugh. Dude, you can go online. Yes. On YouTube and watch actual play or on a podcast. Yes. Right? So actual plays you're going to run into a couple. You're going to come into like the radio drama type mm-hmm. where they're not going to explain the rules much or they may explain the rules really early on and then assume that you're going to know them and then they're going to run the game. But there's plenty online that you like oh, I want to run I don't know GURPS. You can go online, Google actual play GURPS, YouTube, 
and they will explain to you how to run the game or watch an actual play like oh when do they run checks when do they not run checks the dynamics you know a lot of apocalypse world powered by the apocalypse world. yeah get on twitch and watch some of the uh, live streaming game stuff that's going on too Bam, for five E, and this is that homework you can do ahead of time, you know, so that you can basically you know sharpen your memory of how it works. You read something, you see it in action. So when you do run, or even if you're playing, I would advise that as well. If again, if you've not done this for a while, right? I've been playing for a very long time. So is Sean. So all right, I'm gonna go figure out this Star Wars thing. Whatever, funky dice, blah, blah blah. I can sit down and clunk my way through it as a player. That's fine. I can figure out what I you know what do I have to do to do X. Is this like D&D? I want to do this type of thing. I've got reference points that new players or returning players may not have. So don't be afraid to do some homework on your side. And this is not a daunting thing. You don't. Have, I'm not saying, and Sean's not saying, 10 hours on YouTube to learn the game. Nah, fuck all that. You know, Just find a way. Look at a few things. You know, oh, okay, that makes sense. Whatever. Just give yourself... Use all those options. I've, I've said this is the golden age of gaming. It's not just because the shit ton of games that are out there that we can play that are available for us all. But the tools out there, if you've got a mobile device, if you've got an iPad or other tablet, go to, go to uh, if you're playing DCC, that sounds like an awesome game because you heard us and Jen Brinkman talking about it. Go to Purple Sorcerer and get their the Crawler app. It's a free app that has all the dice in it. It's got t- crit tables. It's got monster stuff. It's got spells. It's got amazingly cool shit on it. And it makes running the game a little bit simpler. And that's a th- it's free, right? There's those types of tools out there that can help you break back into the hobby. So, Sean, I think if you were to come back when you... Now, let's take your story aside. Let's say you and I have been out for a while. Would you want to start online or would you rather start in person after not having been in, in the game for a while? That's a good one. Um, it depends on whether it depends. People... Really, it depends. Sean said, I know. "That's shocking." Yeah. <laughs> sound, sound snippet. Now, uh, sound, sound bite clip. Sound bite. Thank you. Um, if you know people, I guess first of all, do you want to play face to face? Because some people just don't want to, and I'll tell you why. Because it may just be convenient for me to come home after work, throw in, you know. A hot pocket into the micro hot pocket into the microwave, hot pocket, and you know sit down at the computer ready to play. Fire up Roll Twenty, fire up your virtual tabletop, whatever of choice, because it's convenient. So there you go. Or if you want to do face to face, because you like that interaction, you, that's the the preferred method. Uh, you get to throw things at people across the table whatever, then I would say that you have to come to terms with that first. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you that, honestly, face-to-face gaming is more work than online gaming because of the simplicity of online gaming to get ready to go. I can come home from a day of work on Wednesday. I've got my schedule cleared. Hey, I'm going to game. I drive home, you know, eat dinner, do whatever, get a beverage or two, clear my desk, boom, sit down, put the headphones on, crank up the mic, bang, I'm in roll 20. All right, um, so I am gonna I am going to humbly you're gonna disagree disagree with Brett. Oh, go ahead. Actually, I I agree with Brett and how he positions his position. Okay, but if you're using a tool and you and you're like using the tool to its fullest, 
like, hey, I want to get in the tool, RPG, whatever, uh, roll D20, or roll 20, and you put in dynamic lighting and all that crap. Oh. That could take longer. Yes, yeah. So, yes, Bre- what Brett is talking about is firing up Skype and going, hey, is everybody ready to go? Yeah, I mean, th- there's multiple ways to do online gaming. My Honestly, I would start people off using Roll20 or a Google Hangout if you want to just be all talky. Roll20 is really... It's really handy because it has built-in dice rollers and just its base functionality. Character sheets. Yeah, it's usually enough to get you rolling. Yeah, so the character sheet, when they put their info in there, like literally they just click a button and it does everything. Yeah. So a lot of macros. Yep, and it's just it's less paperwork and just stuff like in front of you. So getting people in person, though, it's easier for me to say, look, I can clear my schedule – because I live an hour outside of Madison, it's easy for me to say, I'll clear my schedule. I've got four hours every other Wednesday to play. Well, great. If I had to game where everybody else was, because I've got to drive there, <sighs> i got an hour drive one way, sit down, do that. That is a pain in, my, not pain in my ass, potentially. Or it's a time drag, or I can't make it. The weather's bad, blah, blah, blah. One of the reasons that my game crew and I, my home group, we game once a month is because it's difficult to get everybody together in person. We prefer to play in person. So we make the effort to say once a month we'll get together and do this thing. If you want to be more regular and have the convenience factor, in my opinion, online is a better way to go. I just think it's it, it, it's gotten easier and the plugins and all that, it's just a simpler way to start. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's good, man. So I'm positive we missed something here, and uh, we're we're gonna run long. There's no two ways around it. Oh yeah, we're way over. But I tell you, Evan, the other thing, it's like we're in like 90 minutes at this at, point. at least. <laughs> <laughs> so Evan, I tell you, the other thing, honestly, is to you know pick a game, determine do you want a game master or play, and. Uh, Hang out on the communities. Ex- openly express your on- your honest opinion of what you want to do, how you want to go about it, and uh, see who's willing to join join in with you. If you happen to have a friendly local gaming store or a comic book store or someone some other uh, generally geek friendly place, we could say, "Hey, I'm looking for a game," or if they have open gaming, organized play on site can be an amazing way to start. Because as Sean said with the uh, Pathfinder Society, it's organized play. Organized play is a great way to get people together. Um, or to find gamers, you're like, wow, I like gaming with Ange. I can't stand gaming with Sean. I think I'll invite Ange to my game, right? You can do that. You can use organized play to help you. Very very, very good example, Brad. <laughs> you can use organized play to, to weed out the weak, as I, as it were. Anyway. I, for the record, I think you're going to have more fun in Ange's game than mine. I'm just saying. Because she's, she's a blast, I'm her, I've heard. She is a hoot. She's a lot of fun. And she runs more games than I do. <laughs> yeah, I think she so. knows her stuff. But anyway, organized play can be another thing. And again, oh. if a gaming store has got organized play, don't be afraid to get in on it. Even if it might not be a system you're totally hip on, that's okay. Try it. You're out of the hobby. You want to get back into it? Get with the organized play, folks. Because chances are those men and women playing organized play Shadowrun or whatever they got cooking, they also probably play other stuff. Ask them. Yeah, hey, this has been fun. Do any of you guys ever play, you know, Mensner Redbox anymore? Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. Boy, that could be fun. Why, you want to run it? That's the type of conversation I would totally bet money would happen if you if you ask that type of question. So 
if you can get in person, great. If not, or even even if you do, I would not hesitate to get online and start asking people. Be very honest where you are in the hobby, what you're looking to do, and um, and yeah, I think uh, stay small, start small. Don't figure I want to run a big ten person LARP. Don't do that. Go easy on yourself. Fair enough, Sean. Yeah, that is fair enough. And it's funny because the Goblin of the Henchmen mentioned hooking up with Forrest. So I don't know how that happened. I don't know if it has anything to do with us. <laughs> well, not us, but even online, Google Plus, like because the Henchman is out in the UK and Forrest is like in our backyard. So I'm just curious, like how they hooked up, um, and you know they seem to be having a good time. But uh, great, all that sounds awesome. Part of me thinks I should run an alternating week game out of Doc from Doc's game where the prerequisite is you cannot have played RPGs in like the last five years. Wow, just to, like if you've been to return you've been out of the hobby. Yeah, if you've been out of the hobby for five years, you're welcome in my game. And then I'd run a very short, maybe six months, because that's about Right, that's 12 sessions. Okay, yeah. Right? Twice a month. And then that's and then it, we come like a campaign comes to an end, done, finished. And then you know, here bird, it's off. It's it's for you to fly off now. <laughs> and, do your, and do your thing. Well, shit, you, you, could run, to, you could run a series of one shots back to back, man. You could run a couple like yeah, one shots are a unique beast, though. <clears throat> I know. I'm just saying, though, that if you wanted to give people taste, you could do or shorter campaigns, short arcs. But cool, right. I like that idea. Yeah, maybe even like three games, <clears throat> like three sessions, bam, 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 rinse, repeat. Yeah, get four more people. Like if you 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 know honesty policy, if you haven't played and within the five years, you're you're qualified to play in this game. And then maybe if all the chairs don't fill, then it's you know Bullet. first come first serve. Cool. Well, Evan, I think the last thing we'll say before we get into die roll is um, gamers are still awesome, right? We're still nerds. We love this shit, and we'll totally geek out with you. Find people um, where you can, how you can. If you're honest with folks as to, hey, I haven't played in five years, ten years. I really would like to play some. What's the last thing you played? God, last thing I played was second edition. That's fine. There's plenty of people who are willing to help you out especially in the different communities. And um, online play is a great way to get your uh, cut your teeth back into the system um, and everything else we just talked about. So don't be afraid, man. Get in there and do it. All right. So my final words on this is if you find yourself in this particular kind of situation, it's just don't sweat it. Really, don't sweat it. Don't get caught up with it. Don't get nervous. Don't get self-conscious. I know it's hard, but if you put that aside, you'll be fine. You'll be just fine. Nobody, hey, uh, Dave Jackson is a podcaster guy. He talks about podcasting all the time. He had a guy on, on the show, and they were talking about some topic. And his his thing was just like it was about launching a podcast like hey you could prepare you can get this you get that you can put all your notes you can script it blah 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 but the thing is you will find more excuses not to do it than to do it and the thing is when you do it his saying was nobody is going to punch you in the face that's very true that's it remember that if you run if you play 
If you haven't played in years, you don't know the rules, whatever it is, nobody is going to punch you in the face. It's true. And with that, it's let's true. get into die roll. Very true. All right. Die roll two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery or inspiration we want to share with you. We're going to do it up a little bit different this week, ladies and gents. Yeah, we've got RPG a day. Sean has been on our Facebook page. We've had a number of listeners, um, Roger Brasslett amongst them and others, going to town on our Google Plus community with some great back and forth. Uh, JJ Lange has been there. Moe's been in it. Tons of great people. That one guy with the Savage Worlds dude, what's his name? Oh, you're talking about Eric Lamro? No. Or are you talking about um, Stefan? No. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, you mean Ron Blessing, the guy with the blogs? <laughs> Video Ron, logs? Yeah. The, bless, the blessing of Ron. Yes. Ron. Ron's doing a really cool thing where he's um, videoing. Driving down the road. Driving down the road because he's like, I got a long commute <laughs> to work. Fuck it. I'm going to talk gaming, man, because that's what I do anyway. It's just, it, he's posting it in our community. He's probably posting it everywhere. Yeah. it's. I think he's only posting it to ours. No, it goes out to his other feed, too. You didn't have to ruin the illusion. No, all right. Well, sorry. I ruined the illusion for you. But anyway, it's, it's a really cool idea. I think it's really great. And, of course, Ron's good people. So, All right. I tried to get Brett to do it on Facebook. Obviously, that hasn't worked. Yeah, I don't go to Facebook that often. Dude, you've got access, man. Just pull up the page. I know. Live. I know. I know. And Brett just go, hey, today it's like this. Well, I I'm figured I would get up to speed on the actual podcast, and we'll do days one through six right now. Are you ready? That's fair. All right. Number one. Do you even know what days are? I've got them right in front of me, dude. All right, man. What published RPG do you wish you were playing right now, Sean? Uh, I said, what did I say? Uh, Knights Black Agents. I said this on Facebook. So if you've tuned into Facebook, this is a repeat for me. Brett, who knows? Yes, this is brand new info for you. Me, For me, it was Knights Black Agents. For me, it's first edition AD&D. Really? Yeah, love that game. Oh, fuck that game. Yeah, I love it. It's so fucked. Yeah, you like it. You'd play it. If I ran it right now, you'd play it. I would. Yes, you Weapon would. Weapon speed, bitch. What is it? What is it? What is an RPG you'd like <laughs> to see published? Number two. What RPG do you want to see published? You know, mine was Battle of the Planets. I don't even know why. Battle of the Planets. Battle of the Planets was a cartoon when I was a kid. It had to do, they were like, oh, all yeah, yeah. took on. The birds? For sign of like, yes, yes, the bird people. Yes. But they all had their own cool vehicles that would pop out of the master ship. Yes, I do remember that. Oh, I thought it was great. So the only one that came to my mind, and this is totally self-serving, but it's my Avalon setting. I really want to see that published. So that's like in I, front of my brain. So it's like a no. That, it's like a gimme for me. That that was what I really wanted to say. I just didn't want to. Yeah, fill don't your ego. don't lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you find out about new RPGs for number three? Hey, well, hold on a second though. Back to the Avalon thing. There are people like like Eileen quoted that. Yeah, I've had people say very nice things, I which is Bart- which is incredibly humbling. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, I don't, the entire industry, like, what do they want to see published? They've said Avalon. That make that's really humbling. It makes me scared. Yeah, no, pre- no pressure. Buddy. No pressure. Well, anyway, number three. Well, awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's great. All right, number three. How do you find out about new RPGs? Oh, podcasts, other podcasts. Uh, Google Plus, Facebook, Twitter, so social media, um, word of mouth. For me, it, the, it's totally social going, media. Yeah. I, I mean, almost everybody I know that I game with who, is, who isn't involved in social media doesn't know shit about what's going on. So I got a couple old school grumpy grognards that just don't do social media much. But 
anybody who tells me anything in person is like, hey, I heard about this thing. Did you see this on Google Plus? Did you see this on Facebook? It's all social media. Not the newspaper? Not the newspaper. I'm not reading that as much as I used to. Radio ads? Yeah, talk radio every morning. Oh, every morning. (laughs) Sweet. Number four, which RPGs have you played the most since August of 2016? 5e. It's the no-brainer for me. You know, shit, 2016. 5e. It's been a year, man. One year. Yeah, it's got to be 5e. It's got to be 5e, I think. Last year. Yeah, I'll have to say 5e. Pretty sure. Which and number five, which RPG cover captures the best best captures the spirit of the game? I did this on Facebook for about three minutes. Tales from the Loop. Tales from the Loop, huh? There's yeah, there's four kids. You know, one's got a bike. There's backpacks. There's little bags they're carrying, and they're kind of on this cusp of looking, and they're overlooking three like reactors, coolant reactors of radio, you know. From the what's from the loop, and it's from the Swedish artist. I can't remember his name. It's what inspired the RPG to begin with, and it just takes me back to the '80s, which is what is about what the, what the RPG is about. And I'm like, dude, that poster just encompasses so much. Hmm, that makes sense. I have I'm torn between. <sighs> the spirit of the game. So part of me goes to middle earth role playing stuff, but yeah. that's because I'm a Tolkien guy. And when I see the art that they put on it, it's been great. And it just is very evocative of the spirit, not necessarily the rules, but the spirit of the game. The other one that I think of is, um, Minster's red box, that dragon. Oh yeah. That one is yeah. still, I was going to say the red box. I got a print of that above my desk. Cause I just love it. Bought it. Uh, one of Elmore's prints. Um, the other one, God, I'm just looking back at my, you know, DCC from a more recent one, the covers are just so evocative of that game to me. That's Doug. A lot of kudos to Doug. Kovacs. That guy's awesome. Yeah. You've never met Doug Kovacs. He's out of Chicago-ish. If I had to say best, I would go with DCC for right now. That's the one I would say right now. Oh, that's a lot of props to Doug, man. Doug's awesome. I His work is amazing to me. Yeah, so if you've never met Doug, he comes to GaryCon. He he may be at GameholeCon. He has been there. Yep. Um, he goes to, game, he goes to GaryCon every year. Um, interesting guy, Doug. He goes maybe to North Texas, but uh, real down-to-earth, sells his prints. Um, well, he, he does a lot of the artwork for Goodman Games. Yes, he does. And number six, last one here. You can game every day for a week. Describe what you do. Ah, oh, every day. This is retirement. Yeah, this is, this is retirement. Right, right now we're talking like when we retire, man, we're just going to game every day. Um, oh, it's got to be, it's got to be the campaign, whatever. Like it's going to be the best, greatest campaign ever. Yeah, we play every day. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I Make think a dungeon. That, that's, totally, that's totally my answer as well. Is like, look, we, we we get together the first day. We decide on what we're going to play. We make characters. We've got it. Second day, it's kickoff, and it's just campaign play every day. That's what it is. It's all face-to-face oh. gaming. Fucking 8 to 12-hour marathon. Every day. Yes. Every day. I would do that. <laughs> Fuck, I go to work for 8 to 12 hours a day. I could easily do something I like for 8 to 12 hours a day. 
Go back to the days of being 14 and just buy a shit ton of modules and go, today we're going through Tomb of the Lizard King. Exactly. Sounds great. Everybody got fourth level guys. What level guys? It, it used to be, what level characters does everybody have? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I, I got I got a sixth. You got a fourth. You got a third. Uh, I think I can, room, I can run Tomb of the Lizard King. Yeah, exactly. All right. We're going to run through that. And then everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All right. So that was uh that was that kind of covers my piece. Sean, you got some more? Die rolls? Uh my number one RPG a day is back. So I just mentioned we just went over that. So if you're not familiar with that, that's from David Chapman, who is Autocratic. Uh Autocratic. If you'd like to go to the website, I'll have a show notes in the notes in the show. Notes in the show. That's notes. good. I like that. I think I've had a couple more beers during this episode than I usually have. Well, we are long. Um, but check that out. If you're not, if you're not like, if you're listening to this and you're like, "What's RPG a day?" It's something that comes up every year, and David is the guy behind this madness. Comes up with questions, we all answer. Um, my number two, Gauntlet Con. Coming October 20th to the 22nd, 2017. It's an online gaming convention celebrating indie RPGs, story games, and OSR. So if you're not familiar, it's run by, I think Rich Rogers is probably involved because Rich is part of that network. Um, And Rich has been around for quite some time in the podcasting RPG realm. Um, And so if you want to take part in that, they're looking for volunteers. It's all online. And they've got a great podcast network, The Gauntlet, um, which they have like Plus One Forward and a few other shows. So, all right. And I got one more that I want to share on, on Die Roll. So, Game Hole guys are going to Gen Con, Brett. And they posted a bunch of... So, they are going to do their own events off the grid. And they... If you're interested and you're going to Gen Con, you don't have a full schedule and you're looking for games to play and you want to know and meet Alex and the crew that are behind Game Hole, maybe you'll never get to Game Hole, but you want to meet the crew and see what they're all about. They're running a bunch of games. So I will quote this. Okay, everyone, below are all the games that we will be running at Gen Con. All games will take place at the Marriott, not the JW. In the Columbus room, there is, of course, no cost, and they're going to take players up to the stated max on a first-come and first-served uh, first basis. So while, without further ado, and then they list a ton of games and what they're playing, anywhere ranging from like two hours to three-hour, three two-hour level, you know, 13th level 5e games. Um, looks like a lot of 5e um, some Cthulhu, Pulp Cthulhu, uh, Invictus is what Alex runs sometimes. So I will have, they post it on the Facebook. So I will have a link to the Facebook and put that in there. So if you're going to Gen Con, you're like, oh, I want to find a game or I want to talk about these game hole guys. Always hear them on. And if you go there, tell them Sean and Brett sent you. Like Sean and Brett yes. told me you guys would have free beer if I got into your game. Don't do that. Don't do Just that. tell them that. Just see what they have to say. Oh, good don't, God. don't expect it, though. Not seriously. Don't expect it. And, don't expect yeah, it. And then when. Yeah, Just that, rib, be the last them, time. rib them a little. 
Rib them. Give them a little. Give them yeah. a little shit, but not too much, because Sean and I actually like going to Game Yeah, we, we don't, don't want to be banned. <laughs> we don't want to be banned from Game because we're <laughs> jerks. Those assholes. Sons of bitches. So yeah, so check that out. Uh, I'll see. I think it's a public post. Um, they had some reservations about too much of a turnout, but they didn't get a, a ton. So I think everybody's kind of booked at Gen Con. But if you're, you know, again, don't have a lot on your schedule, you want to run by there, Marriott, Columbus Room. And we'll put in the hours. We were talking like, I see one that's at like 10 a.m. on Saturday. I see one at 6 p.m. on Saturday. So they're running all kinds. I think they just reserved a room and they're just kind of running people, running their own group GMs through that. So Very cool. There you go. Oh, we've got some listener goodies as well. So Shane Freeman shares a video of a man building a quiver slash magazine to make four shots in four seconds off of his longbow. Freaking awesome. So Brett is, Brett is frantically clicking on that link right now <laughs> exactly. as we speak. So he can be like, what the hell? Somebody can outshoot me. How does he freaking. do this? I must have that so I can shoot a deer four times. Yes. In four seconds. Well, well why wouldn't you? Any- <laughs> with Brett, <laughs> like in 12 seconds, he could shoot a deer with 12 shots. 12 shots. That'd be amazing. Simple math, right? Exactly. And uh, Christopher Gray is the lead writer on a 5E slash Pathfinder Lion's Vault, which is kickstarting August 1st through the 31st. So, Christopher Gray, friend of the show, awesome person all around. Take a look. We'll have a link in the show notes. Always worth checking out our listener's stuff. Yes. Good luck on that, Christopher Gray. Hope we give you a little boost in the Kickstarter realm. That would be cool. Also want to thank thank Blake Ryan74, big Twitter follower of ours. Uh, thank you so much for being a friend, Blake. And then Croaron. Croaron? Croaron. He's going to be like, dude, it's Croaron. Uh, for the reviews on iTunes. Thank you very much. Um, so if you'd like to know a little bit more about the show, like you're listening to right now, um, they talk a little bit about us so that other people can go, oh, that's cool. Or, ooh, that's not ew, gross. Brett's frantically typing something. That's right. I'm just making sure I got things covered for next show. Thanks for those those two people for leaving reviews on iTunes. Absolutely. Brett, Brett. Yes. You know my next question, right? Yeah, what are we talking about next week? Well, we're going to talk about gaming with feeling. Was this about emotional <gasps> emotional bleed? We're going to get into that. Gaming with talk a little bit about that. You know, the, I feel those times and I when when you see those tough gamer dudes across the table and they break out in tears because you killed their pet turtle. Yeah those moments that's what i want to talk about right in his avalon game yeah you never know breaking it down <laughs> all the feels all the feels <laughs> you and my game my my game my my goal as a game master mm-hmm. is to make you cry <laughs> to make you cry i wouldn't say it's an overt goal in a good way <laughs> tears of joy <laughs> All right, let's get the hell out of here, man. Oh, my God. I am two sheets to the wind. All right. Hey, so this has been another episode of Gaming to BS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rodemacher, Forrest Nagari, Mark Anthony Benedetti, 
Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Remy Billadeau, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne, Lumrunner Humphrey, James Carpio, Nat Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Tim Shorts, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz, The Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Brasslett, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugar, Loaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher, With Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric the Hoff Hoffman, Jared Rasher, Stefan Dragonspawn, Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Michael Parker, Gordon Cranford, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hot, or is it how? Evan Harrison Cass and Ray Otis. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the entire show for an entire month. Head over to EntireGamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, listeners. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.